undefeated Native American, Tataka, squares off against Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels, this week on WWF Superstars. Welcome everyone to World Wrestling Federation Action. I'm Vince McMahon, along with the King, Jerry Lawler, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. And will this be the week in which the undefeated streak of Tatanka comes to a brusque halt? I want to tell you, it's finally going to happen. Payback for Custer's last stand. There's going to be a massacre today, but the Indians are going to be on the short end of the stick. Strictly your opinion, what about the eight-foot-tall giant Gonzalez going against, not against one guy, two guys, but three guys in a handicap match, yeah. And this week will mark the return of the great Hawaiian crush. You know what I'm waiting to see? I want to see once again the footage of another lazy American, as Mr. Fuji calls it, getting squashed at the hands of Yokozuna. Hacksaw Jim Duggan being carted out. I can't wait to see that. We'll have an update on Mr. Duggan's condition. What about the comeback kid? You interviewed him, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, yeah, this Monday night. I'm with you, brother. Yeah, do the thing. And in action will be the narcissist Lex Luger. Greetings, lads and lasses. Switch off gladiators and throw a peace sign at your haters. It's episode 12 of Acceptable in the 90s. Big Meaty Cool is the captain of the ship, and can I get a toot toot? Don't worry about it, I won't force you. We are careening slowly towards the iceberg that is WrestleMania 9, as we return to the New York Territory in style, as we take our first cursory glance at WWF Superstars, originally broadcast on February the 13th, 1993 from the San Jose State Event Center in San Jose, California. But why superstars, I hear you ask, I presume? Well, listeners, while it doesn't look like the most interesting of shows, Superstars was one of my favorite programs as a kid. On a Saturday afternoon, if your mate had Sky, you could tune into Sky One for a good old session of The Simpsons, Full House and an episode of Superstars before catching some early Jim Carrey goodness on In Living Colour. Episodes of Superstars have been periodically appearing in chunks on the network and this is one of my favourites as the build to Mania begins. It's not just a series of uninspiring jobber matches either. Well, it's mostly that, I'm not going to lie. But we have a cracking opener to get us excited as well. So let's get into it. As you may imagine, because we've gone back a few weeks, there will be no WCW Saturday Night Recap at the end of the episode, as we've already covered that episode in our Super Brawl build. Therefore, because we've covered the 13th of February, there will also be no On This Day in History segment either. And if you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. I'm sorry. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Commentary for tonight is covered by the team that should really be on Monday Night Raw as well. Vince McMahon, the Macho Man Randy Savage and... Jerry the King Lawler. 
Now, to our younger listeners, I know what you may be thinking, but this Jerry Lawler is a pre-Attitude Era Jerry Lawler, so there isn't any inappropriate or sexist comments to be heard. Instead, you get a wonderful old-school heel that takes the side of all the baddies, and not a stupid joke from Rob the Knob Bartlett in sight. These three have excellent chemistry and play off each other really well, almost to the point that Randy Savage resembles a reasonable commentator. After some opening ballyhoo from the lads, we go straight to the ring for our opening contest, pitting the Native American Tatanka against the WWF Intercontinental Champion, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Being a massive Tatanka fan as a young'un, I was jazzed that he was finally getting to face a decent opponent. He did have a short-lived feud with Rick Martell in 1992 going into that year's SummerSlam, but had since been facing jobbers and never gonna bees. Now I was a good boy who cheered the goodies and booed the baddies, but even I could appreciate the quality of Shawn Michaels, so this had potential to keep me watching the rest of the episode. For obvious reasons, this match will have the bigger recap of the bunch. Prior to the match, Jerry Lawler makes a crack about the match being the revenge of Custer's last stand. Quality healing there. This is a non-title match. Vince makes sure to tell us that Sean is now singing his own lyrics instead of Sensational Sherry. This harkens back to the 1993 Royal Rumble, where Sherry and Sean parted ways. Jerry is firmly in the corner of the heartbreak kid here, and so he should be. Sean slaps to Tanker after a reversal sequence, then gets chased around before he stomps away. Tatanka blocks a hip toss, then lands a cheap shot of his own before clotheslining Sean over the top rope. Sean enters and hits another cheap shot, but Tatanka catches him with an inverted atomic drop for a two count. Tatanka gets another two count, but charges and gets tossed outside. Sean heads out and decks Tatanka before dragging him back inside. Sean hammers away, then drops a few elbows before the break. We return as Sean works a side headlock. Tatanka manages to escape, but Sean knocks him down, then drops an elbow for two. Sean then hits a standing drop kick before firing away in the corner. Sean goes back to the chin lock as Vince talks about a win for Tatanka that would make him the number one contender to the Intercontinental title. Tatanka escapes and uses a small package for a near fall, then starts firing up as Sean attacks. Tatanka hits a few chops, but Sean rakes the eyes to escape from a Samoan drop. Sean then sets up for a super kick, but Tatanka ducks, and that leads to a reversal sequence, with Tatanka hitting a Samoan drop for the win at 6 minutes and 37 seconds. Now this was the type of opener that would not look out of place on Raw, and is obviously, far and away, the best thing on this episode of Superstars. The original plan after the Royal Rumble was for Michaels and his former Rockers partner, Marty Jannetty, to continue their IC title programme, but Jannetty was fired by the company after the Royal Rumble event. It was alleged that Jannetty was released after rumours circulated stating that he had been under the influence of alcohol or other drugs during the match, leading to its comparably low quality. Janetti to this day denies having been intoxicated at the event, but explains having been either tired because of lack of sleep, and that the rumour had been started by Shawn Michaels himself. 
Marty will eventually briefly return after Mania to continue his feud over the title. Tatanka is a star on the rise at this time in the WWF, and time in the ring with Michaels will only benefit him, or get him released when rumours circulate about him, whatever comes first. Let's take you back now to footage, and we'll show you what Hacksaw Jim Duggan is attempting to do, what no man has ever done in single competition, knock Yokozuna off his feet. On the first try, Duggan went after the big band from Japan, and you can see what happened. Undaunted Hacksaw with the capacity crowd behind him, chanting USA would try it again. Hacksaw did not get Yokozuna off his feet, but it looks as though the big Japanese star may have injured his shoulder. With the crowd on their feet, Duggan sensed Yokozuna's vulnerability. Then, with the urging and assistance of Mr. Fuji, Yokozuna made Hacksaw Jim Duggan's worst-case scenario come true. Turn around, Jim! Hacksaw Jim Duggan's side! Oh, no! I can't, be oh, I can't believe that! No, no, no! But once was not enough for this 505-pound monster. Nothing less than pure torture could satisfy the nefarious Mr. Fuji. Come on! Get it! Get this man away! Get him out of here! Duck! No! And then came the most humiliating blow of them all. Finally, the carnage had ended, and a hush fell on this capacity crowd as Hacksaw Jim Duggan was carted out of the arena. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, last week, not only did my Yokozuma beat you right in the middle ring, but he squashed you and squashed you and squashed you. And best of all, we use your American flag to cover you. Yes. Well, comments from Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji. As a result of Yokozuna's attack last week, Hacksaw Jim Duggan suffered broken ribs, cracked ribs, and internal bleeding as well from torn intercostals. It is doubtful as to just when Hacksaw Jim Duggan will return to action. I don't think he'll ever return to action. You know, instead of draping the American flag over him at the end there, they should have poured syrup on him because he was left flat as a pancake. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan, how does it feel to know that you disgraced your family, disgraced the American flag, and most importantly, he disgraced the United States? Hexall Jim Duggan didn't disgrace anything or anybody. Hexall Jim Duggan, feel good about the fact that you're a great competitor and a great American. And you did what you said you were going to do. You took the big man, Yokozuna, down to the ground. Yes, you did. And how did you know it was going to be a sneak attack? Pearl Harbor all over again. We'll be back as we continue with tag team action with the Steiner Brothers. Stay with us. We go to match number two as the Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott, 
face the immovable objects of Al Burke and Larry Simpson. Jerry pokes fun at the academic status of Rick and Scott before the bell sounds. Scott takes Samson down to start as Lawler makes fun of the Steiners. Scott hits a suplex then a pump handle slam as we see a WWF magazine article on the Steiners in an inset. Rick tags and then hits a super overhead suplex and follows with a few elbow drops. Scott tags and hits a powerbomb then the Steiners use a doomsday bulldog for the win at 2 minutes and 20 seconds. This was obviously a showcase for the Steiner brothers to highlight their obvious power and skill. Vince, as per, did his usual amazing job of bigging up their abilities too. As much as Vince gets called out for not knowing the name of every single move in the world, he was the perfect man, for obvious reasons, to be building up the people he believed in. Without going too much into spoiler territory, I genuinely reflect on what might have been if Scott had agreed to be a single star in 1993. Would he have been the man to not only slam Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid, but also go on to pin the champ at SummerSlam 93? I genuinely believe that shows like Superstars couldn't work now, as we've become accustomed to a new team or wrestler winning a title within six weeks, but back in the day, the big-name teams wouldn't even face off on a week-to-week -week basis. Therefore, jobbers were a necessary part of building guys up as viable contenders, while commentary took the time to talk people up. Folks, pick up your copy of the Royal Rumble. Keep all the exciting memories forever. All from our good friends at Coliseum Home Video. We will certainly never forget Brett the Hitman Hart locking in the sharpshooter on Razor Ramon to retain the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And that is just one of the great moments. Right now, let's hear from a superstar who participated in the 30-man rumble, the Berserker. Hush! Hush! You know, the Berserkers never cared too much about titles and championships. But I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to tell all the wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation that the Berserkers got his eyes set for titles and championships. So I'm talking about you, Bret Hart. I'm talking about you, Shawn Michaels. And like guys like you, Mr. Perfect, and you, Undertaker, because everybody knows when the Berserker gets his hands on you, it's all over. Hush! Hush! The wild Berserker continues to terrorize the singles ranks, but there's one individual he should stay well clear of. That is the Ugandan giant Kamala. Right now, he is joined by his spiritual advisor, Slick. You know I'm a very happy man because I set out in the World Wrestling Federation on a mission. I set out to do a job that everyone could be proud of. And you know who would have suspected that I would have the most success with the most difficult individual come out of the Ugandan giant. But yes, he's seen the light. But you know whenever you try to do good, evil is always present. I'm talking about Harvey Ripperman and Kim Cheek. They want to stand in the way of the progress of this gentle giant. They want to stand in the way of this man walking down the path of righteousness. But I've got something to say about it. The one of light has something 
he says some of the best right. Oh, he understands what I'm saying. He understands the mission. Tim T, you in a lot of trouble. The large Ugandan no longer under the cruel control of Harvey Whippleman and the devious kimchi. It appears the Reverend Slick has now helped Kamala see the light. And given the opportunity, Kamala would love to put kimchi's lights out. And folks, we are going to light up your living room with more action right after these important messages. Stay tuned. When we return, we get to see the latest member of Vince McMahon's mental wank bank, as match number three is a chance for the narcissist Lex Luger to prove that he isn't just all show with no go, as he faces the tough test of Larry Ludden. This is Luger's first match on Superstars. He poses in front of the mirror before the match, while telling us that he is what a wrestler is supposed to look like. Savage takes the opportunity to rib Lawler for his physique. Luger beats on Ludden, then flexes after hitting a vertical suplex. Luger then catches Ludden with a power slam before using a running forearm smash for the win at 1 minute and 25 seconds, as Vince says that the giant Gonzalez will face three men later on in the show. Luger flexes after the match as the ref checks on Ludden, who is out cold on the mat. This is an effort to keep Luger in the fans' minds in the run-up to his mania programme with Mr Perfect Kurt Hennig. I'm not a fan of Lex at this point, as he's really a square peg in a round hole, in that he was always better suited in NWA and WCW. But let's see how he gets on. The various planted ladies in the arena seem to like him as well, though. Hi again everybody, this WrestleMania report on Valentine's Weekend, brought to you by IcoPro. Integrated conditioning programs, it's for everybody who cares about their body. IcoPro, you gotta want it. What a main event. As it stands right now, World Wrestling Federation Champion Bret the Hitman Hart will be defending against the man who won the Royal Rumble in Sacramento, 505 pound Japanese superstar, Yokozuna. Coincidentally, Yokozuna managed by Mr. Fuji. But that's not all. Here's two matches just think for WrestleMania by World Wrestling Federation officials. The Undertaker will be locking up against the eight-foot-tall Giant Gonzalez. I'm sure you all recall the altercation between these two men at the Royal Rumble. In addition, the big man from Kona, Hawaii, Crush, has his chance for revenge against Doink the Clown. None of us will ever forget how Doink nail Crush from behind. As a matter of fact, just now, weeks after this incident, Crush is returning to action. He's gonna be up next. All of the excitement from the family entertainment capital of the world, Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. Circle this date, Sunday, April the 4th. Don't miss WrestleMania. When we return from our first WrestleMania report of the season, we go to the ring for match number four, pitting Kona Crush against the unspeakable mysteriousness of the White Shadow. The White Shadow is Billy Anderson under a mask. Who's Billy Anderson, I hear you ask? I don't know, don't ask me. Savage is practically erect that Crush is back and getting to face Doink at WrestleMania. 
Shadow bounces off of Crush a few times, then gets dropped with a press slam. Crush runs out to clothesline Shadow and then back inside locks on a bear hug. Crush hits a belly-to-belly -belly suplex and a backbreaker before using a head vice for the win at 1 minute and 31 seconds. Jerry Lawler talks Doink the Clown up big time throughout the match, which bodes well for their future together, hint hint. The crowd seem to really like Crush, who does his best to pump them up as he looks to get some momentum for his impending match with Doink. He was simple but effective and presented himself as a babyface well. Right folks, prepare yourselves for a nap. It's an Ed Leslie sit-down interview. Recently, in an interview on Monday Night Raw, Brutus Beefcake told us a tale of woe that was almost unbelievable. Events that actually led up to that devastating and near-fatal parasailing accident. Your mom, just prior to that accident, you lost her to cancer. After a lengthy battle with that dreaded disease, Six months later, grief-stricken, you lose your dad to a heart attack. Again, prior to the accident, you turned then to the only family you had at the time, your wife. You're greeted with divorce papers. You take a walk on the beach to find out why. Why is all this happening to you? There on the beach, you're greeted with a parasailing accident with a set of knees from a young lady completely devastating your face. The medevac copter comes down, picks you up, you hear what they're saying about you on the way to the hospital. You're not gonna make it. In the hospital itself, you hear the doctors talking. You stated before that you felt like completely giving up until you prayed for a miracle. You also said on an interview, Brutus Beefcake, there were two reasons that pulled you through the operation, the reconstruction of your face. Those same two reasons are with you today. They've been with you for the last two years as you've been training. And I suspect those two reasons will be with you this Monday night when you step into the ring against Ted DiBiase in what could be the ultimate comeback attempt. Those two reasons are? Those two reasons are the big man upstairs, Vince, and the Hulkster. They're like my sword and my shield. Seems to me, Brutus, that this Monday night, you're going to need all the help you can get. I don't really know if you know what you're getting into. If you would recall, on the night you issued the open invitation, and Money Incorporated, they didn't fight over you, but they flipped a coin over which one was going to have the privilege of the, quote, recreation they were going to have with you. And notwithstanding uh, Jimmy Hart's views that this match should not take place, Ted DiBiase not only is looking forward to this recreation, you heard what he said. He said that if they had to hurt you, they know how, and that they would take away the only thing that you fought so hard to regain, your health, your well-being. That has to be on your mind as you approach the match, untested as of yet, this Monday night. You know, Vince, their overconfidence is their downfall. 
because with the big man on one side, with the Hulkster on the other side, that's a team that DiBiase and IRS can't beat. All I can say is, Brutus, with that kind of inspiration, the best of luck to you this Monday night. Thanks, Vince. As the Hulkster said, go for it. Well, that's that. I still can't help but find his whole sob story hilarious. Because I hate him. Ray Trailer, Kurt Hennig, Randy Savage, Scott Hall. All legends, all dead. And this knobhead is still alive. Tonight's main event is a handicap match of epic proportions, as Harvey Whippleman's latest charge, the giant Gonzalez, faces the tough triumvirate of Louis Bacoli, Scott Bezo, and Dan Farron. Vince talks about Gonzalez manhandling The Undertaker like no one ever has before. Bezo and Farron immediately desert Spicoli after Gonzalez drags Spicoli back inside by the hair. Gonzalez chokes out Spicoli as Bezo and Farron crap themselves on the apron. Gonzalez hits a chokeslam, then lunges at the other two on the apron as they disappear backstage. Gonzalez then bangs his chest as Spicoli rolls outside to get counted out at 1 minute and 21 seconds. Well, the chokeslam looked nice. Should have stayed with the Atlanta Hawks though, mate. It was good to see Louis Bacoli in an early appearance though. Eight feet tall, the giant Gonzalez is already head and shoulders above the competition here in the WWF. Sorry about that, folks. Couldn't resist. But it comes as no surprise that the Giants is now set to take on The Undertaker at WrestleMania 9. Right now, let's hear from another superstar who is a giant among men when it comes to determination. He's El Matador Tito Santana. You know, in the World Wrestling Federation, there's opportunity. There's a lot going on in the World Wrestling Federation for El Matador. I've got a great advice from an old friend of mine that told me, Matador, stay in the ball game. Wait for your chance. And that's exactly what the Matador is doing. People have tried to get me out of the ball game, but I'm still here. Just waiting for my turn, baby. I guarantee you, the Matador is ready. Hole! El Matador waiting for his turn at bat, and when he gets the chance, he plans to hit a home run. Elsewhere, individuals who have taken on Papa Shango have usually struck out. A small pain, a large pain, a big pain, a great pain, growing here, growing there, growing everywhere. You see, Papa Shango is a very large pain, and at any time, Papa Shango's powers can reach out and grab a hold to you, all WWF wrestlers. Beware, beware in the size and power of Papa Shango. Beware of voodoo. <laughs> and beware of all the evil things that can happen to you. I believe it would be a wise idea to take Papa Shango's word on that. Right now, let's hear from a superstar who has been fighting evil since his return to the WWF, Bob Backlund. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, since I've returned to the WWF, I've realized one thing. It hurts a little more. It also takes a little more time to recover. But down in here, the heart's still there. 
the desire to win and the desire to represent you people in a way that you can be proud of, and especially your children. They mean a lot to me, and I never want to let them down. And I want you to be able to say, young child, daughter, son, I want you to listen and follow and maybe emulate that person because you could be proud of him. Well, Bob Backlund really is a fantastic role model for kids of all ages, living proof that through hard work and determination, anything is possible. After more Sean Mooney goodness, we get the promise of a literal Clash of the Titans next week. Next week, right here on WWF Superstars, scheduled for action, the man who will meet Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania, The Undertaker. And what about the Uganda Giant, Kamala? And the man that oozes Machismo, Razor Ramon will be here. Set for action as well, Mr. Perfect. And then from there, one-on-one, -on -one, let's pick up comments from these two bohemians. Let me tell you something, big man, anytime, any place. Let me tell you, next week won't come quick enough for the quake. So next week, it's the earthquake against Bam Bam. And now we head to my final thoughts. It's easy to dismiss superstars as nothing more than a B-rate, jobber-infested programme, purely there to hype everything else that the WWF puts out. But there's a lot to enjoy in this episode. It may be the nostalgia talking, but I enjoyed my time in San Jose this week. We got a fun opener that leads to a decent Mania programme, as well as some early hype for the granddaddy of them all. Do please let me know if you'd like more superstar recaps, as I won't take a lot of convincing. This week's star of the night is the Native American Tatanka. This guy has been undefeated since debuting in the WWF, so it's time for him to ascend and show that he can prove himself against some of the superstars of the company, and this was a good first effort at that. For that reason, this week's match of the night is Tatanka vs Shawn Michaels, which was far and away the best thing on the show from an in-ring perspective. This is the type of match quality that we need to be seeing on Raw every week. My highlight of the night goes to the three-man team of Vince McMahon, Randy Savage and Jerry Lawler. The lads played off each other really well and made the show an enjoyable watch. For my low light of the night, I found the Eric Watts of WWF, and his name is the Giant Gonzalez. Enough said. Folks, I know you're disheartened that there isn't a WCW Saturday Night Recap this week, but worry not. For the first time, I bring you a recap of Smoky Mountain Wrestling's TV, just for fun. 
This show is from the February 13th, 1993 as well, and yielded the following results. The Night Stalker Brian Clark vs Tim Horner ended in a time limit draw. Tracy Smothers defeated the Dirty White Boy. Kevin Sullivan defeated Brian Lee in a no disqualification match. Dutch Mantel, Jimmy Golden and Robert Fuller versus the heavenly bodies of Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard and beautiful Bobby Eaton ended in a double disqualification and in the main event Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane defeated the Rock and Roll Express team of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. And that's your lot my darlings, short but sweet. Next week is business as usual as the Mania build continues on the February 15th episode of WWF Monday Night Raw. Brutus the Booty Disciple Dizzy Zodiac Beefcake returns to in-ring competition, but there might also be some good stuff as well. As always, I would greatly appreciate your feedback, as this show and the podcasts that Danny and I offer as a whole will only improve with your feedback. So do please hit us up at One Man's Meat Pod on Twitter. However, my loves, in the meantime and in between time, stay beefy, Meat Cider.